James 5, beginning in verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and towel for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us go to him in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day where we can gather once again with your people in fellowship and worship. We just pray now that you would bless the preaching of your word, that you would speak through me, that you would open our hearts, our ears, and our minds to learn from your word this evening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Actually, I had the wrong sermon I pulled up. Now I have the right one pulled up. (laughs) This would have been a much longer service if I had done the other one. Okay, so... If you subscribe to Netflix, and at some point you might have scrolled past and maybe even watched a little show called Tidying Up with Mary Kondo. The show became a hit earlier this year, and for those of you who aren't aware, the basic format is that the, of each episode is that the host, who is an endearing Japanese woman named Mary Kondo, goes into people's houses and helps them declutter, keeping only the things that spark joy in them. Or maybe if you're not a Netflix person, you're more of a cable television person, then you might have seen the show Hoarders, which by now has reached its 10th season. And both of these have a similar premise of helping people declutter, and the message seems clear that America has a hoarding problem. Now we can watch these shows and we can laugh at the absurdity of some of the people that in them, Houses so packed full of stuff that you can't even really walk around. Where if a pile of junk falls over, it might literally bury you alive. And we know we're probably not that sort of person. But still the question has to be asked, do you see yourself as a hoarder? Or perhaps the question might be asked in a different way, do you see yourself as a wasteful person? On the everyday level, when was the last time that you had to throw something away from your fridge that had gone bad? Something that had expired, bread that had gotten moldy, milk that had gone sour. What about your closets then, your garages, your attics, your tool sheds? How many things are just sitting in them that you haven't touched in years? These questions at their core are really just one question. How are you stewarding the resources that God has given you? The question of the book of James is the question of how to live as a citizen in the kingdom of God, and in particular, how to be a doer of the word, as we heard in James 1 earlier. It's about how the many different facets of our lives should look as Christians. Throughout the course of the book of James, he talks about how we should handle our anger when we're mad at somebody. He helps us to manage our business affairs, and now he's honing in 
And he's saying that being a follower of Christ is about changing all of our perspectives. It should affect our interpersonal relations. We know that. It should affect how we do business. And now, James says, it should even affect what we do with our personal goods. Being a follower of Christ is something that affects our entire lives. James is telling us from the way that we approach trials, even down to the way that we handle our closets. The basic point James is making, one of the basic points that he's making, is that Christ's followers should steward their resources. And there are basically just two areas we're going to see this worked out in this passage this evening. First, in how we handle our belongings. And second, the consequences of handling them poorly. So, getting our bearings here in chapter 5, just before this section, James has been talking about how to steward our time well. He's talking about how our futures aren't really in our hands. We are to realize that any future we have is a gift from God. And so when we plan, says James, we are to say, you know, I'll do this next year if the Lord wills. James makes it clear that any future we have is a gift. And now he shifts. Not only is any future that we possess a gift, but any possession that we possess is also a gift. The things we possess and that we use aren't, and how we use them isn't just amoral. It's not morally neutral. So how does that work out in, in this passage? Beginning in chapter 5, James says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. So let's place ourselves in the shoes of James's audience. And this shouldn't be too hard, because in the global picture, we really are, everybody sitting in this room, some of the richest people on the planet. In the scale of history, we have it more comfortable than pretty much anybody living before the 20th century. King Solomon and all his riches would have envied our houses with our air conditioner and our foam mattresses and our cold drinks and our hot showers. And of course, in the modern global perspective, we do have it better off than most of the people in the world. So again, let's try and stretch our imaginations to place ourselves in the shoes of James's audience. James is clearly giving us a warning here that miseries are coming upon us. But why? What have we done to deserve such miseries? First, as he says in the first two verses, because our riches have rotted and our garments are moth-eaten, because our gold and silver have corroded, this is a common image in Scripture. We're all familiar with it. Christ tells us not to store up riches on earth because moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. He tells us that instead to store up treasures in heaven, and we all know that concept. And Christ's point is that the things of this earth are passing, and so we shouldn't too much put too much stock in them. And we understand that. That's all well and good. There's nothing we can do to stop the fact that things eventually corrode. And so we should look elsewhere. We should look to the heavenly things. James even makes a similar point earlier in the book in chapter 1 where he talks about the things of the rich will fade. Now it's easy to import that theme into this passage. But here James is getting at a slightly different point. James isn't saying that we are blameworthy for having riches that are susceptible to corrosion. 
but for having earthly riches that are already moth-eaten and corroded. James isn't addressing people in the afterlife who, now that they've passed along, the things that they left behind are falling apart. But he's addressing, as he says, the twelve tribes in dispersion. Living people who have belongings that are already moth-eaten and corroded. And so why are they to blame for that? What is the significance of having riches that are rotted, of garments that are moth-eaten? Well, how is it that things become rotten? Think about what's in your house. Do you have anything that's rotten, anything that's rusty? How did it get that way? I grew up out in the country, and I would go around exploring a lot, and as a kid I'd often come across old barns. And one of the things you'll often find in old barns is old tools. And what is always the state of the tools in those barns? They're covered in rust. They're decaying. They're falling apart. And why is that? Because they haven't been used in years. Things rust. Things become moth-eaten through a lack of care or a lack of use. Now, you might think, I've got tons of stuff in my house, and it isn't moth-eaten or corroded or rusting. And yes, that's true, because we're much better at preserving stuff nowadays. We've got the technology. But think for a moment back to ancient times, and if you're so, and, or if you're somebody who grew up out in the country, just think about the, the nearest barn. It's not climate-controlled. It's not sealed tight to keep out the bugs. If you leave your clothes or your tools in a standard barn for too long, they're going to get eaten by moths. They're going to become rusted. A tool that's used doesn't rust, or at least a tool that's well cared for and used doesn't rust. And so that is part of what James is getting at here, that what he's warning them about, about the way that we just hoard things away and forget about them, never putting them to use so that they become, that they enter this state. His audience has more clothes, it seems, than they can wear, and so they become moth-eaten. They're hoarding them rather than making use of their money, and so it becomes crowded. As an important aside, this makes the point that even the things, the little things, like our clothes, are part of our earthly treasure here on earth. It's not just about gold and silver and money. The regular things we have form part of our earthly treasures. And I don't know about you, but I know at least I have a tendency to hoard things up. Maybe none of this has rung true with you so far. Even clothes. I know a few years ago, Maria, my wife, helped me clear out some of my clothes, do some weeding, and I'm pretty sure I hadn't weeded my closet since about middle school. <laughs> and we wore clothes much baggier back then, so I could still technically fit in most of them. But they were very, very baggy. <laughs> and so, with some assistance, I ended up donating many large trash bags, getting rid of tons and tons of clothes to to donate, and substantially, substantially reducing the amount of stuff that I had hoarded, and it was quite relieving afterward. And there's probably even more that I can and should weed out, and probably next is the library that I need to turn my attention to. So this is something we do, or at least that I do, and it's why we have shows like Mary Kondo and why Hoarders is now in its 10th season. Those shows are comforting because at least we can say, hey, I'm not like those people. <coughs> But even still, 
if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us might say, yeah, we have too much stuff hoarded away. And the implication that James is making is that by doing this, we're stopping those things from being used. We're not putting to use the gifts and the blessings that God has given us. We're letting them go to waste. We're not using them or we're not letting other people use them. We'd rather just let them rot. We want it all to ourselves even if we're not going to use it. And so in doing so, we render them worthless. And as a culture, we might actually one-up the ancient world in this regard. We don't merely hoard goods. We throw perfectly good things away. Maybe you've done it. It just takes too much energy, you know, to take that, that desk lamp or that screwdriver or whatever this you're wanting to get rid of down to the, to the charity store. And so what do you do? You just, you know, chuck it in the dumpster. If you want to see the absolute best example of this, drive by a college on move-out day. <laughs> you will see couches, desks, lamps, mini-fridges, basically anything and everything that they don't feel like packing in their car, just chuck it in the dumpster. I mean, why not? We can just buy another one next year. Anything they want to take home, it just fills the dumpsters there. And so we see, firstly, that followers of Christ's kingdom citizens should steward their resources well. We shouldn't let the things that we own just sit and go to waste. We shouldn't let our riches rot. And this is important because merely having riches isn't the problem for James. James is rebuking people, again, not for merely having wealth, not for having things, but for not using them in the right way, or indeed for not using them at all. They're not being good stewards of what they've been given. Because no matter how valuable something is, if it's locked away in a closet, it might as well be worthless. Wealth unused is worthless. Another way we see that the followers of Christ should steward their resources well is in reference to their employees, as he covers there in the middle, that James says the wages of the laborers are crying out against them, and their cries are reaching the Lord. For some context, wage laborers in the day are essentially people living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, even worse, really, than like living paycheck to paycheck today, because it really was living day to day. They get paid daily, and so a delay in payment means that they don't eat that day. They're dependent, they don't have storehouses for food and fridges, so they're dependent on that paycheck for their daily nourishment. This is why Leviticus and Deuteronomy both give commands not to hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. They have to be paid on time to eat, to survive. And this verse is really much more straightforward than the previous. Followers of Christ are to pay their employees. That's pretty easy to get. They aren't to cheat those they hire, but instead of doing this, James' audience have held back their wages, living in self-indulgence and fattening themselves for the day of judgment, it says. And this leads to the final verse, which is, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, this verse seems sort of random at first, but in what way might it be said they have murdered somebody in light of what covers in the previous verses? because they've left the poor to starve, their employees to starve, in the immediate case by not paying those who are relying on that money to eat that day. By holding back the wages of those who are living day to day, they're essentially leaving these people to starve and die. And so, James ends, you have condemned and murdered him, he does not resist you. They do not resist largely because they can't. The 
the poor or the employed have no recourse against their employers, against the rich. And so their wealth has corroded, and so James says, this corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. And that is really pointed. That's a very pointed statement. We gather up and we hoard all of this stuff while we're here, and then at the judgment, it is evidence against us. God is only to point to our closets and our bank accounts and our storage units and say, look at all this stuff that you've hoarded away, that you've stored away refusing to use it or to allow anybody else to who might have needed it. You would have rather let the gifts rot than to make use of them. That's really the point of this verse, of the point of the first half of this, is that fact that the people would have rather let God's gifts rot than to make use of them. They're not being a cup overflowing with blessing and using what God has given them for His glory, but they're merely hoarding it away, quite literally in this case. And as we know, the blessings that God gives us are gifts to be used because they still ultimately belong to God. Our money, our resources, our things, just as God gives us spiritual gifts to be used for His glory, our gifts of love, of charity, of patience, of peacemaking. And we know that those gifts aren't meant just to be sat on. You are to use your spiritual gifts. As Michael said, I think this morning, if you want to figure them out, probably just get involved in the church and you'll find out what your spiritual gifts are. And just as we're not supposed to just sit and waste our spiritual gifts, so are we not to waste our material gifts and blessings. And we like to push away from the health and wealth gospel because they have a tendency to put all of the emphasis on those material blessings. But at the same time, we shouldn't overcorrect and focus so much on our spiritual blessings and our spiritual gifts that we forget that the material blessings are also all from God and still all ultimately belong to Him for His glory. Nothing we own is ours. It's His and He is allowing us to use it for His glory. Everything from our time to our clothes are a gift. Whether it's spiritual blessing or material, we are to steward God's gifts well. And so for James, this hoarding, this laying up of earthly treasures is fattening our hearts for the day of judgment, like an ox or a cow that continues to just eat placidly on the day of slaughter. They're ignorant of the state they're living in, of being in the end times. They are making it worse for themselves. And so this hoarding brings judgment. The things we waste are a testimony against us that we have failed to steward God's resources well. The rust, the rot, the corrosion, James says, will eat the flesh like fire. The testimony of wasted wealth will be so damning that it will be as, as, as if fire were burning them. So just imagine having to go before the judgment seat of God, dragging your unused belongings behind you as a testimony. What sort of testimony would they give? To go back to the original question, do you consider yourself a wasteful person? Perhaps you don't let food go bad. You don't throw your money away. But when you acquire something, do you just hoard it up? Is your closet full of clothes you don't wear that you might never wear again, but you just keep anyway? Is your garage full of tools with years worth of dust sitting on them? Or if you're like me, is your library filled with books that you'll probably never read? <coughs> We tell ourselves that we might use these things someday, we might need them someday, but 
One way we might apply this passage, and it's the way that one of the very early commentators named Basil the Great applies this in the, in the fourth century. When he comments on this passage, he says, are you not a robber, you who consider your own that which has been given to you solely to distribute to others? This bread which you have set aside is the bread of the hungry. This garment you have locked away is the clothing of the naked. The shoes which you let rot are the shoes of him who is barefoot. The riches you have hoarded are the riches of the poor. And so as we go about our daily lives, as we do our spring and fall cleaning, we need to take a serious look at our own tendencies to hoard things up, to gather more than we can ever use and to let it waste rather than to use them, or to, if Basil's interpretation is correct, then to give them to those who might need them. We shouldn't let our wealth rot. We have been given these resources by God, and we should steward them well. We are under obligation to put them to use. And again, if Basil's interpretation is correct, if we're not going to use them, then we are under obligation to give them to somebody who will, who might need them. And this really grates against our modern sentiments, sentiments against our consumer culture. You know, yeah, we may say the spiritual gifts, those belong to God. And yeah, our futures, they're ultimately in God's hands. And yeah, we should glorify God in our actions. And we shouldn't sin, and we should be good employers and good employees. But our things, like, those are ours. We paid for them, and we can, you know, do whatever we want with them. See, modern culture has done something that would be alien to ancient cultures. We've parsed out the different spheres of our lives, well, into different areas. So we have our work life, and that stays at work, hopefully. And then we have our church life, and we know that our church life isn't just supposed to stay at church. We're also supposed to, at the very least, you know, pray and read our Bibles and stuff like that. But it's also often put in its own little sphere over here. And then there's our personal life, our hobbies, our stuff. You know, that's ours. That's over here with us. But what James says is, no, God's dominion touches every aspect of our lives, every area of our lives, not only our worship and our jobs, but even all the way down to our belongings, to our closets and our garages and our attics. Your things are not yours, they're God's, and they're not to be wasted. After all, the body that you used to earn that money to buy those things was a body that he provided to you, that he keeps healthy every day. It is a blessing that he allows us to wake up every day. And so it's his blessing we're responsible for how we use it. And as in James implies, the gifts that we use, that God gives us, aren't to go to waste. Spiritual and even physical. And when we do waste them, it brings judgment. We drag our unused belonging behind us as a testimony of to how we are stewarding God's resources. To waste his gifts brings Judgment, corrosion that eats the flesh like fire. And no doubt many of us have failed in this. And James's warnings of judgment are dire. And there is an easy response that we have. You know, we have Christ. We say, so the fires of judgment are not something that we have to fear anymore. We have the rock of Christ, and that rock cannot be moved by you or by anything else in all of creation. And the answer to that is yes and amen. That is a wonderful assurance that we have. We don't have to fear the fires of judgment. 
But as always, the security we have in Christ is not meant to move us towards laxity. It shouldn't move us towards indifference, but should spurn us all the more to steward what he, has be- what he has given us well. And so hopefully you have that attitude. If you see everything you own as being on lease for service in his kingdom and for his glory, then that is a wonderful attitude to have. Because that is the nature of our belongings. They are his because everything is his. Now, the point here is not to say that it's unbiblical to have, like, a savings account or that we should all become Franciscan monks and take a vow of poverty. Again, James's argument is not against having things as such, but against letting them rot. And so the point is simply to ask a question. It's a very practical question. How consistently are you living with that sort of attitude? Literally, how are you stewarding what God has given you? Sermon applications aren't always, like, super literal, but in this case, it is quite literal. Do you literally let things go to waste? And if so, well, how can you change your attitude regarding that? Well, Mary Kondo tells us that we should go around our house asking the question, you know, does this thing speak to me? Does it spark joy in my life? James is not quite as sentimental as all that. (laughs) What he wants to know is simply whether or not you use something or are you letting it rot? Are you being a good steward? Whether the things God has given you are just sitting around collecting dust and rust and corrosion or whether we are being wise with our belongings. So the next time you walk into your closet or your garage or your attic, ask yourself the question, am I even using the things that God has given me? Or am I letting them just sit and rot through disuse? How am I acting as a steward of God's gifts? If I have to go before the judgment seat of God, dragging my unused belongings behind me as a testimony, what kind of testimony they're going to give as to how I stewarded God's resources? May it be that we would steward his gifts well, that when we go before the throne of God, that testimony would be that we did use his gifts well, that we did not squander what he had given us, that we had served the Lord well, because ultimately all of these things still belong to him. Our lives from our time all the way down to our closets belong to him. So let us steward them well, and in doing so, bring glory to our Lord. If you would bow with me in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you and we praise you once again for this day. That you have woken us up this morning that we can gather in fellowship with your believers, with this wonderful church family that you've given us. You've given us many wonderful things. This church family, you've given us jobs where we can make money. You've given us many material blessings to go along with the spiritual blessings. And as we go on throughout the rest of this day, throughout the rest of this week, and the rest of our lives, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to steward what you have given us well, that we would have the attitude that these things that we own are not ours. They are on lease from you to be used for your glory. And so we pray that we could glorify you with the things 
that we own. With our time, yes. With our spiritual gifts, yes. But even with our material belongings, we pray that we could glorify you in all things because you are our Lord and we praise you in all things and we love you in all things. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. amen.